Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. And all my patron peeps. Hey, patron peeps, make sure you check uh, the goals on uh, Patreon. As if you haven't heard for some reason uh, over the next, uh, the rest of 2017 at least, I'm going to have a lot of the goals uh, for uh, on-location episodes and Fearless Flyer episodes will be Patreon exclusives based on uh, each month or every two months how many patrons we add. It'll be what level they come out at. And uh, so check it out. Think about it. Also kind of my goal by the end of the year, we do have a, if you're a dollar patron, you're probably not hearing this, but uh, like we have a big number of dollar patrons and I'd like to, if we could get a 10% of dollar patrons to $5, it would really change things big time for the podcast. Uh, or, you know, so it's kind of my thinking is, is like uh, trying to spread the things around uh, the levels a little bit better. Uh, cause it, uh, so that, uh, you know, that's where it's at. And, uh, you can see that over on our goals, but thank you so much uh, for supporting the show. Uh, couldn't do it without you, my patron peeps, uh, and I'm with the show. Uh, Sleep With Me is also made possible by all the hard work of uh, Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful Studios and Carl, who edit episodes. Uh, Posty also does the theme music. Uh, Kenny, Scotty, and Jennifer are honor, honor, honor artwork. Uh, Jonathan Mann is on our lullabies. You can commission a song from him at song.jonathanman.net. For any occasion, go ahead and do it. Brave reviews. Every person who's ever uh, commissioned a song. Uh, Eric and the team at Astounder on our website. Sleep With Me is a proud member of both Night Vale Presents and PRX. Uh, Nightvalepresents.com and PRX.org uh, to, to learn more about the wonderful things uh, going on with both of them. Also, I personify, privately, I personify both of those and, and have conversations with uh, NVP and PRX couple of my letter friends. Uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything, but I'm dear, at Dearest Scooter on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, dearest Scooter. Sometimes I drop that T. And you know who stops for T and kindness are the listeners. They have their own listener Facebook group, and I want to thank the moderators over there. Uh, Keith, Stacy, Sarah, uh, Laura, uh, Julie, and Jennifer. And uh, that's it. Uh, let's uh, get on with the show. Uh, hey, you up all night uh, tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, uh, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings... Physical sensations, time, temperature, changes in your routine, you know, moving, traveling, whatever it is, wind. I mean, that is something that's under, underrated of great things and annoyances. You say, what's up with that wind? And, you know, it's, it, it depends on where you're at, and it's no judgment. Sometimes you're in a non-wind, you're, you say, well, I'm not in the mood for the wind tonight. So if you could cut it out, you know... Uh, Cloud gods, uh, quit your blowing. And they say, actually, it's a low pressure. I say, I say, okay, thanks, Wayne Mahar. Wayne Mahar is a weatherman of my youth. 
Yeah, but so what was I saying? Oh, a lot of different things to keep you up at night. This podcast is here to keep you company. What I'm going to do is uh, send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, dusty tangents with a little bit of rust. Oh, creaky, creaky, dulcet tones, right? Is that what I said? Or creaky, did I say that? Uh, a lot of different things, extra words, going off point, obscenely long intro, uh, where I don't get to the point of explaining what the podcast is, and in doing so, hardy har har, I kind of do. Uh, but here's the thing, if you're new, I mean, what I'm going to do with this intro is I'm going to try to make a metaphor of how the podcast works, possibly involving dogs tonight, because I got two right outside the climbing closet where I record the podcast. Uh, but what first I'll do is uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope this podcast can help. It doesn't work for everybody, but give it a few tries. Don't try too hard to make sense of it. The way, like uh, the parts of your brain that might try to make sense of this podcast, maybe the parts of you that aligned with the parts of you that keep you up. Uh, so keep the kickback and just barely listen. That's uh, kind of what this podcast is. It's a bit of a bit more than background noise. Uh, but it would be like if you were, I guess this may be the metaphor that I wasn't looking for. I was going to talk about dog beds, but now I'm thinking about being a wind interpreter. And at first you might chortle, which is, I don't think is a word I've ever used on this podcast before, but you might chortle. You say, Scoots, there's no such thing. And I'd say, really? Well, ask the NWS, National Weather Service, or the International Weather Service, if there is one. Also, if either one of you offer, uh, what are those called, uh, honorary degrees, I'd love to become Dr. Weather. And maybe I would even sing a song about it. It would actually be just stormy weather, but it would be Dr. Weather. And if you want, when I receive the award, I could wear a lab coat and maybe a cloud hat with a lightning bolt. I, that's just a proposal, but I'm actually in the middle of a podcast intro. But w- let's get back to that about honorary degree in wind interpreting. Or maybe remind me to do a whole episode about the wind listener. Okay, but, but crickets in my brain. That's a good sign. So if you're new, you, clearly you don't need to listen to me. I think that was my first point. You're kind of like listening to the wind. If you're in the right mood, you say, well, that's nice. It's a nice, a steady... Well, not always steady, but, you know, it's, it's a sound, and it's helping me unwind and, and get it deeper in bed and sink in. And maybe it's just a, like a nice, you know, b- 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 bigger than a breeze, but not too heavy, where you say, okay, it's good. It's cleaning, you know, it's bringing some new air into town. About time we cleared out the air around here. So you say, okay, I can breathe with the wind, I can rest, but you're not trying to make sense of it too much. That's kind of what one way to listen to this podcast. So you could listen however you choose. Yeah, I just want to let you know and give you full permission. You don't have to listen to me. So that's one. Two, I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep. I won't really put you to sleep. I'll just be here at your side as you drift off into dreamland. Not that differently to continue with the wind metaphor, if I was holding some dried leaves, you know, and there's no wind, you'd just say, okay, got some dried leaves in my hand. And some people might say, well, Scoots, what are you doing holding dried leaves? Are you going to crunch them for a soothing sound? I say, mm, no, uh, though that is an idea. 
as long as these are 100% dried leaves, then, then that would be okay. No, I'm just waiting for a breeze to come in and carry them lightly off of my palm and to drift them away to a new home, you know, where they could support a biome just so I could sneak in a cheap rhyme and <laughs> then forget what I was going to say. But, you know, they dr gently drift away. Ideally, you'll drift away, and uh, in, in, you know, as I'm talking. But if you can't sleep, I'll be here till the end. Believe me, I make this show as much uh, for all the people that fall asleep, I think, make it a, a complete podcast. Uh, even if you fall asleep in the 10 minutes, the hour podcast is really what's putting you to sleep somehow. Uh, but I also make this podcast for the sliver of people who can't fall asleep. I'll be here till the end, uh, gently rambling and uh, interpreting the wind or listening to the wind. So, okay, those are the things. Structurally, the show starts off a little late for this, but it starts off with an intro that's around 12 to 15 minutes after some business that we open the show with. There's some business between the intro and the story. And then there'll be, tonight we'll be talking about uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And but, but believe me, it'll be like a meandering coverage where you say, wait a second, was that really an episode? And this one's a doozy because they think it only has... Uh, the two locations, I mean, if you count different locations on the Enterprise, maybe more, but uh, but this isn't about the filming of the show. Uh, so where was I? Oh, I was talking about wind. So, yeah, oh, so the, that's the podcast. You don't need to listen. No pressure to fall asleep. I'm here to help. I'm here to be your friend. I've been there, sleepless in the deep, dark night. And I'd like to do your favor and uh, keep you company while you drift off. But I was thinking about this with the wind. Like at first, like I said, you would chortle because you'd say, Scooch, you can't interpret the wind. And then I say, well, if I was an expert at wind, I, I may be, I don't know, I don't have a wind expert. And of course, someone might say, you know, break it. What do they say? Break in wind. But no, this isn't a time for jokes like that. It's just a, if you had someone with expertise in winds, and they then they were also even narrower. They were an audio wind expert and maybe a sensory wind expert. They could feel the wind, feel the breeze. That's what I used to say when I would run, even though I wasn't very fast. It's, I think I'd say taste my breeze. How about, no, I don't think any of those uh, scent companies should take that. Taste my breeze. Because you really don't like it. It's more like... Uh, where was I? So if you were, so we're with an imaginary wind expert, and they know everything about the wind. They really got it down. They could actually interpret the wind for you. Now it wouldn't be uh, like an English language. Well, they, I guess if you were communicating in English, they would use English. But they'd say, okay, you know, that's first off, that's coming in from the northwest. Does that mean it's headed to the south? That would be my first question. Does that mean it's, I never understand that. It's coming from the northwest. It's going to the southeast. Is that what, I'm, what we're talking about? And they would say, you might be picking up the temperature and the wind. And that's from this factor. And they'd say, you might notice some moistness or some dryness. This is from that, uh, you know, this thingamajig. What's causing it? Then they could go into your whole low pressure, high pressure, whatever the thing, you know, things you use on the map. Maybe they have their own pointer and stuff. Would you believe right now I'm in between weather people? 
Like, I, I don't want to, um, like, I used to watch a channel primarily for uh, Sal Castaneda, uh, just because I feel like, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I just have an affinity for Sal. He does the, the, the traffic. And I did really enjoy the weather person, but then I, I kind of changed. No, no, I, I, I only, I, I'm now doubling up as Sal. Don't worry, I, mean, I didn't switch to morning news. But I do. I did start watching another news channel just because I liked two of the personalities on there, uh, Reggie and Natasha. I, I'll say it, and and Jessica. I said I really like it. Like not that I like them better than anyway. I shouldn't bring this up in the middle. I was just trying to talk about weather. Uh, but where was I? Oh boy, uh, it, it really went off the rails. Those are all local news news people. Uh, but so, yeah, if you're with a wind expert, they could really interpret the wind, I imagine. Now, I don't know of any wind experts. I'm trying to think of what pot. Maybe this would be the time. I keep saying Dallas uh, from 20,000 hertz. Uh, maybe this is the one where I get a hold of Dallas and we do a crossover episode about wind. Because uh, Dallas uh, has a, a podcast about sound. There's also a wonderful podcast, World of Sound. Uh, uh, which is shorter form, but Dallas does these deep dives. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that'll be the one. Where was I though? Oh, well, I guess the thing, the difference is if someone was actually an expert in the wind, you'd probably want to listen to their interpretations. So if you're a normal person, you'd be like, okay, can you, unless you're really interested like me, you'd say, okay, is it going to be nice tomorrow or not? Do I need a jacket? Is it going to rain? Is it going to be hot or cold tomorrow? You know, is it, is it what up, what's up with the wind? You know, uh, blustery wind at night, is it a sailor's delight or not? Uh, or should I take warning? And they'd say, well, the wind can't tell you that. And you say, well, the friggin' sun can. So what's up? What do you mean? How are you an expert? I'm an amateur sun watcher. And then they'd storm out. That's where what really happened. I did have the one ex- expert, uh, uh, Sandy Seabreeze was her was her pseudonym, and she was the world's foremost expert on wind. That was speaking to me, but no longer because of that uh, fallout. And then she said, "You don't watch Steve Paulson anymore." And I said, "Please, please, look! Uh, I love all local newscasters. It's just some currently. I anyway. I said, "Come on, give me a break." So whether it's in morning news uh, uh, that uh, bookends your day or the evening breeze, or maybe you live in Seabreeze Park or something, and that's the name of your evening paper, you say, I'm going to settle in and read the, you know, do the uh, puzzles in the evening breeze. Or maybe you go running at night and you say, or, you know, you're breaking wind, you know, you say, it's time for the evening breeze. Please keep it. I think those jokes went out of fashion when they stopped being funny, which was, uh, uh, what, fourth grade. But I do like the idea of a newspaper being called the Evening Breeze. Breeze through it. It's only, you know, it's only the lightest news. It, it, they Actually, you could, if you had a newspaper, here, here's the thing. Give me a GIF on the phone because I know he has WAPO. Is uh, when I put on my what? What is that called when you're a news person? Not a news person, like you're the what is that called? I don't know what it's called. I know you don't know what it's called because <laughs> you're my brain. 
I, I thought I could, like a person that's a fan of the news. Uh, but if so, maybe they could have one, like they say, well, we got the WAPO, that's for hard news or whatever. Now we have the evening breeze. Uh, that's for news that's really nothing. Uh, you see, breezy news. Uh, kittens, cute or cuter. Uh, how did I get? So anyway, this podcast actually should be a bit of the evening breeze to you. Some fresh air, some lightness, uh, like linens on the line, gently flapping. My gums will be uh, to help you fall asleep. Now, like I said, it doesn't work for everybody. So give it a few tries. Almost every person that regularly listens to this podcast even people I've become friends with that make podcasts, they say, well, the first time I listened, uh, I said, what? In a, it took a few times. It takes a few times. This podcast is pretty different, but it's here to help. It's not anything aggressive. So put it on like like the wind and see what happens. Or like the morning news, and you say, well, uh, the morning weather. What was the weather song? Was it going to be called Dr. Weather or Dr. Breezy? That, maybe that would be, wasn't McBreezy, was that, oh, McDreamy? Was it, Was there a show with, uh, was there a McBreezy? Maybe, could I get back, could they put that show back on the air and then give me a, like, a recurring role? Is Dr. Breezy? I don't think I have the locks. I need a, you know, I'd need a wig or something. Now peering. What show is that called? Me- Medical Love or something, right? Doctor's Hope. Or, or you say, okay, hey, uh. I'm Dr. Breezy here with the hair. Used to be weather person. Used to be Dr. Uh, whatever it was, Dr. Wind. Oh, Dr. Breezy. Well, no, I don't know. But anyway, I got to close this intro. I'm glad you're here. And I really want to help you fall asleep. But it's a bit goofy. Uh, but give it a few tries. Uh, thank you so much for giving me your time. And I work very hard. I strive in here and I'd, I'd like to help you fall asleep. Thanks. And uh, here's a couple of things we do to keep the show going. All right, everybody, we're talking Season 3, Episode 18 of Star Trek The Next Generation, Allegiance. And it starts off with a chillin' Picard. Uh, he's talking about Philo or Phyrox P, Core something, the USS Hood Rendezvous, Browder 4. And he has a snifter of something, and he's leaning back, uh, reading... And he's ready for a nap. He's in his uh, recliner. Also, terraforming was coming up. And then we get a like a, what I thought was an obelisk, but it, it is something else. It floats over Picard, scans him, and there's a little sound effect, and he's gone. He was totally kicking back. Hold blue obelisk, uh, but 2001. We'll talk about that later. Uh, there's a spotlight, and then Picard wakes uh, to a jingle. Uh, what, oh, yeah, he's in a room, and he wakes up with a little jingle, and uh, he's in a room, like a dorm room almost, but not, very sparse. And there's one person sleeping, one person sitting. There's four beds, so it's a quad. And Picard doesn't have cell phone sur- or communicator service there. Because he tries calling the Enterprise, it doesn't work. Uh, Worf, uh, ten to quarters, uh, to something. Because uh, they say, what, there's a weird reading in the command, cap, commander of Picard's room. 
back on the Enterprise, and they rush down there with Picard and some of his crew. And they ring the bell, of course. I wonder when he would log in. Or, no, no, he's trying to open the door. He says, secure, override. And Picard answers the door with a snifter and a book. Uh, he says, WTF, I'm chilling. But it's like we know. We just saw Picard somewhere else. Uh, and the episode opens. And let's see what happens next. We see Picard pacing a weird silver... Oh, there's in the center of the room. There's this weird silver thing. It looks like a hand washing station, like it's a stainless steel. Uh, that would be like if it, kind of like at a campground restroom or something, where you communally like it has multiple places to wash your hands. I'm trying to think of what other like a park restroom or a changing room for a beach, uh, but for hand washing. Mitten Hero Picard. So Picard meets his two roommates, Cadet Haro. I think uh, I put Mitten Hero. Uh, oh, Matina. Matina Haro is uh, the cadet's name. And then Kovo Thrall. Kovo Thrall or something of Mizar 2. And they say, we didn't, you know, this is a school assigned, we have assigned dorm rooms. We didn't get to choose our dorm rooms. And we don't actually know what this school is. We were assigned to come to the school and share a dorm room with one another, but we don't even know why. And Picard says, that's someone, I think Kovo or Kovo was there for three days. One was there for three days, one was there for 12 days. And they say, what a strange school. We didn't sign up to go to school here in, you know, we usually get some roommate preferences, but we don't have any. And they said also we're on bed, like bed, bedroom duty. We've been uh, sent to our rooms. Uh, and Picard says, well, we haven't even gotten to go to school yet and have fun. And then Picard says, well, there's four beds. And then a fourth sleeper arrives. Oh, no, he says uh, four beds uh, implies four roommates. Uh, and so then the four per- fourth person shows up, uh, and he's a bit of the, like, uh, what is that, Pluto, uh, like he's a bit of a wild man, the wild roommate. And they say also we've been locked in a room or something. Maybe, maybe I, I, I might be going out of order here. Kovothrall, uh, uh, let me see where my notes are. Picard pacing, I said that. Uh, four sleepers, four beds, four sleepers. Oh, yeah, the fourth person didn't show up yet, but they say, hey, by the way, uh, this isn't a hand washing station, it's for jelly food. And they have like jello jiggler food pucks. Uh, some of this came up, a lot of this reminded me of, uh, was that Snowpiercer, this part. Just the food in the uh, the station. And they see that also maybe this is part of our schooling because we can't get out of the room. It's a weird complex code. And they said, we're like mice in a maze, maybe. Maybe they're, maybe we're not just, are we like uh, studying here or are we the studied? Then I see Enterprise, thank you. Oh, because Worf says, we're here at our rendezvous point with the hood. And then Picard's a little bit, this is a different Picard, obviously, or something. And he says, how about we check out that Pulsar and the Lanka cluster? And Data goes, what? Uh, 
And Picard goes, what do you think about that pulsar? They go, well, it's big uh, and uh, 4.4 to 6 to 5 solar masses. And uh, like New Picard says, well, how long, how far away is it? They go, 34 minutes. He goes, let's go. And they say, what about uh, Hood? We're supposed to meet them here. And then he goes, by the way, go warp two, not warp seven. That's what Wesley said, 30 minutes of warp seven. And Wesley goes, that'll take 31 hours. And he goes, yep, let's do it. And Riker goes, what about the hood? He goes, we'll have to delay that. Let him know. And then he goes, never mind, actually. Or no, Riker says, we'll have to know. Picard says, no, 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 no communications. And he goes, I got to talk to you in private. Uh, data, take the bridge. Let's see what my other notes say. Warp 2, 31 hours or 5 minutes. Uh, and no one likes it. The music even says, oh boy, everyone's making faces behind Picard's back. Uh, uh, all something, all tinsy. Uh, music is all uh, twangy or something. Twangy, I think. And then we're back at the dorm room. Picard's, uh, he's trying to put in the first six prime numbers uh, to... Uh, uh, to send out a message, a little bit like, uh, he says, then they'll know we're intelligent uh, at the school. Maybe this is a test to see if we know our prime numbers. And we end up that thrall, the one being, is uh, kind of a bit of a, a uh, like, a tough, tough to deal with being, a count, you know, uh, extra, like a, a teachable person moment. Full a person full of teachable moments, and he says, "I know what we're doing. I just want to know why." And Ricard says, uh, "Just to figure out uh, if it's a test or not. What do you got to ask so many questions for?" And he goes, "We." Uh, Picard goes, "Also, we got to figure out what's special about us. Why we got chosen to go to school without getting to choose our roommates or whatever." And he says, "There's nothing uh, special about us at all." And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, Harl, what did you study? She goes, field coils is what I'm best at, uh, propulsion systems. And she goes, but I'm only, a, you know, an academy student. I don't know why they would choose me, a cadet. And he goes, what about you, uh, Mazarian? Uh, what do you got? Uh, he goes, uh, and then he says, what about you? Maybe are you in a truce? Your country's in a truce with this other planet? And she goes, yeah, our planet gets along with everybody. And the Mazarian says, oh, no, that's what the Mazarian says. And he goes, your planet's been conquered six times. Uh, and he goes, yeah, but we're peaceful people. Uh, we don't uh, do any conquering. We, we don't have confrontation. The guard says, perfect for a sleep podcast if it was imaginary like that other one. And Picard goes, you got any ideas who did this? And he goes, no, no, no one bears us any malice. Uh, Picard goes, what about you personally? And he goes, no, I'm just a bit of an irritant, but I don't think he would go to this much trouble. Sign me up for a college or university. And Picard goes, I'm just trying to figure things out. Relax, bruh. And he goes, well, I don't have any answers. I'm a simple public servant. Then our fourth, uh, the wild roommate arrives and kind of goes, well, let's party, you know, right away. And everyone's there, we're like, well, we, we, we're not ready to party. And Picard, uh, Maropa, Bolians, Mazarians, uh, 
A bo- the guy was like, he wanted to go to a costume party dressed as a boar, the new roommate. And uh, Picard goes, don't calm down, man. You got to trust me. This isn't a place to party right now. Uh, let's work together. Uh, we're gonna, we're, like, uh, we're gonna try to get back. We don't want to be at this school. We want to get back to our where we live. Uh, and he goes, I know where you come from the party planet, uh, where you like celebrate boars, right? Uh, I was there twelve years ago on the Stargazer. And the dude goes, okay, I'll chill. Then it's poker night at the regular Enterprise. And Riker, LaForge, Troy, Data playing. And Picard rolls in to his awkward city and awkward boss, like out of movie office space. He goes, uh, sorry, it looks like I was just passing by and figured you guys were having fun. He goes, Jordy, how's that poker going? Jordy goes, great, sir. You want to play? Nah. He goes, well, by the way, what's our engine efficiency? And Jordy goes, As a matter of fact, it's 93%, boss. Uh, he goes, huh, 93%, eh? Uh wonder if we could get it to 95%. And Jordy goes, get right on it. He goes, no, 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 you could do it late. Just thinking out loud. Uh, you're playing poker. And Jordy goes, dude, it, you, yeah, I get it. I'm on it. 95%, we're on it. And then Troy goes, you want to play? And Picard goes, no, I'll just stand around here awkwardly for a while. And uh, Troy wins a hand. And he goes, by the way, could I talk to you for a minute? Uh, Sorry, I keep messing this poker game up, but uh, I wanted to bend your ear, Counselor Troy. And he goes, do I seem paranoid to you? And Troy goes, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. Is anybody talking about me behind my back? Uh, And she goes, the crew loves you. He goes, how much? She goes, a lot. Uh, He goes, they're going to have to really push their trust for a little while. And he goes, well, you'll keep me up to date if anybody's talking about me behind my back, right? And she goes, oh, sure, sir. Uh, Of course. Uh, Then we're back at the dorm room. We meet uh, Isak is the new uh, roommate. uh, And the other dude... Uh, is like a like Thal is like a the guy's from Chalnoth, uh, and he's like a troll. The, the the guy that's already at the dorm, he's got everything to say about Chalnoth people, and so then they start talking about who's you know whose planet's better, whose names are better, and uh, he then Haro says, "I'm from Bolaris Nine." and Isak makes a assumption that she's a child. She goes, "I'm not a child." Uh, I'm at the Academy, Starfleet Academy. And Picard goes, I'm trying to figure out why we're here, uh, you know, what what we're doing here. And Mr. Thrall plays the know-it-all, kind of. He says, I'm the brightest of all my people. Uh, Sniff the only Ford. What does that mean? Uh, Let me see what that says. Uh, Thrall's got stuff to say. Yeah. Everything and perfect. It says maybe the Romulans are trying to do it. Uh, oh, he says I got the most brain power, and my species do. Uh, he goes, I'm the smartest of smartest beings. And they go, What is there to eat around here? The new roommate says that. Uh, and he goes, I'm not, I go, I, he goes, I don't eat jello, jello jigglers. And he goes, If I don't get something fresh in three days, it's going to be a problem. 
And then Picard's getting his checkup with Beverly. He passes his checkup. Uh, and he, she, he, she goes, is there some reason you came in for a checkup anyway? And he goes, well, how about dinner tonight? What do you think? Uh, and she goes, did 10 forward? He goes, no, no, my place. I'm more intimate. And she goes, you're full of surprises. And he goes, I take that to be a yes. Uh, then uh, they're trying to get out of the dorm room. And they say, is it wise to attempt escape? Uh, why don't we be patient? Uh, and Picard goes, it's a risk I'm willing to uh, uh, take. Uh, and the one dude, the know-it-all, says, I refuse to help. And... Uh, Hassock is simple. Picard goes, open that panel. He goes, Hassock, break. Uh, Picard goes, make it so. And then they they hack into something, but then they get a green light that says, uh, you can't leave the dorm room. And the Mazarian says, told you so. Then we're at Picard's quarters. Candlelight, Picard in his robe shirt, uh, flasks and flutes. And Beverly says, what's on your mind, Jean-Luc? You've been something on your mind all evening long. And he goes, you know me so well. She goes, well, we spent a lot of time together. He goes, I'm preoccupied uh, about us uh, and the choices we've made. And he goes, we're a little isolated. And she goes, well, uh, we're professionals, by the way, professional detachment. And Picard goes, too detached. Uh, what about getting closer? She goes, you, what do you mean, Jean-Luc? You want to get closer? And he crosses the line. She goes, I mean, it's an imaginary Picard. He goes, you're an attractive woman. She goes, well, you're an attractive man, but it's not that simple. And she told Picard, goes, well, what if I wasn't your commanding officer? And Beverly goes, you know what? I'm, I'm, in, I'm not interested. I'm comfortable the way our relationship is. And Picard, new Picard says, well, what about dancing? And she goes, you don't dance. He goes, well, tonight I do. And he goes, I'm glad you're back. Uh, that Pulaski was really, uh, you know, she, she ch chuffing my chuffers or whatever. And he goes, I'm, I missed you. And she goes, oh, I missed you too. And then they kind of have a kiss. or They don't kind of have a kiss. They do. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, he goes, let me lay down some of this smooth Charlie Brown jazz for us to dance to. And she goes, are you playing games with me, bro? Or is this for real? And he goes, yeah, speaking of games, let's call it a night. And he shows Beverly the door, and she gives him a what the WTF face. Uh, she he closes the door right in her face. Uh, and then we're back at the note, like, my Zarian's like, told you so, uh, and everyone starts accusing everybody of being the insider with the door, with the school. And they see who's the imposter, Mazarian, the Asakian, the uh, Tholian. Uh, who's working with the, the school? Like, is this, are they doing a study on us? And one is one of you, is this a double blind study or a single blind study? Or is a student run? Who's an imposter? Uh, is someone testing stuff on us? Uh, and they go back and forth, you know, cr you know, trashing each other's planets, uh, talking about what they did. Uh, there is a star moment uh, uh, because uh, 
Uh, everybody's like, you're full of orders, Picard. I don't know why I put a bus. Oh, he busts her because she, I think she says, uh, like when you cured, cured the Firox thing, which was like literally four hours ago. Yeah, so that, but that's like, uh, then we go back uh, to the first officer's log. Or, yeah, because they're like, are you keeping us busy? Whatever. They, they're arguing. And Riker says, uh, why are we going to, he, this is his like, I don't know why we're going to this post pulsar at half speed or half impulse. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, it's a meeting. It's a staff meeting. Uh, that's what he's saying, though. Uh, but it's all the officers. They're saying, well, sometimes the captain gives weird, you know, Riker's worried. Can't put my finger on it. Captain's detached, Troy says, from his emotions. Uh, Jordy's like, well, I got that at 96% engine efficiency done. Oh, no, that was just Troy and Riker talking. And then Picard uh, says, good job, Jordy, on the 96% efficiency. Oh, this is at 10 forward. And Picard rolls in. He says, Al's for everyone. You're the finest crew commanders ever had. Let's toast and I'll sing a song. And that's when all the officers are like, what in the heck? They all exchange looks, Worf, Jordy, Riker, and Troy. Then they have a meeting. And they go, Riker says, that's not the commander I know. He goes, he's trying to have us efficiencies, and uh, we trust him. But uh, I don't know. He goes, uh, why do you, Jordy's like, why do you show up at the poker game? And Troy goes, he's worried about people talking behind his back. Uh, and Beverly's there. They say, any uh, medical stuff, uh, stress? Uh, she goes, uh, no. They say, anything unusual. Uh, she goes, yeah, he asked me to dinner, and it was unusual, totally unusual. And Riker goes, there's something going on. And Troy goes, well, there's no te telepathic stuff going on. And Data goes, what about that beginning of the episode with that abnormal energy reading? And Worf goes, this is not enough uh, to justify mutiny. Uh, what else? Uh, and they say, well, the next move is his. We'll just see what happens. Uh, and then we're back, and everyone's still accusing. They say, Picard, how are we know you're not the one running this uh, test on us? Uh, Picard goes, we have to set aside our differences and our fears to fo to work together. Come on. An allegiance uh, to get out of here. And then the, the, the thrall of the Mazarian still like, well, what if someone's up to something? Picard goes, we still got to work together. Can't allow our suspicions. uh he goes, we can do this. Uh, then they show up at the star. They're like 20 million community. Uh, he goes, take us to 20 million kilometers from the stars. Uh, and they go, well, shields data says the shields only work for 18 minutes that close. Uh, and Picard goes, good. And then Riker goes, can I talk to you, Commander Picard? He goes, uh, yeah, let's go in the back. Uh, and then Riker... Uh, Let's see, plan hatched. Uh, Westney, West, oh, Wesley has a worried face because uh, it seems like they planned, this was planned. Uh, and then Riker goes, what's our mission? And Picard goes, not telling you. And Picard, Riker goes, and I'm taking over. 
Ricardo goes, why? He goes, because we're so close to that sun. It's not a good idea. No reason for it. Picard goes, then you know about. And Riker says, you're being erratic. He goes, erratic enough for, for mutiny? Do you have enough to convince a board of inquiry? And then he turns it on him on Riker. He says, maybe you're the problem, Riker. He goes, I relieve you of duty. Uh, maybe you're under stress. Uh, go to sick bay and think things over. And then the uh, everybody works together. The three of them work together in the dorm room to open the door finally. Uh, Picard works at the door panel. Doors open, but there's another door behind it. So it is some kind of t- test. But uh, Picard glares at the cadet. Uh, then we're back at the Enterprise. The shields uh, don't work because uh, they're too close to the sun. And Picard's just staring. Uh, he says, move us to 10 million kilometers. Uh, and Data says, we can't do that. There won't be a ship anymore. And Picard says, take us in, Crusher, Wesley. And Riker says, belay that order. You're relieved of duty. Oh, no, Picard says that to uh, Riker. He says, Worf, take Riker to his quarters. And uh, uh, Worf puts his hands behind his back. Uh, and Picard says, I gave you an order. Uh, and Riker says, maintain your position, Lieutenant. And Picard goes, this is the end of your career and everyone involved. Uh, Riker goes, you don't have any of the concern Captain Picard would for the ship and the crew. And Picard says, Mr. Worf, escort Commander Riker from the bridge. Uh, Wesley, I put double question mark. Uh, what does that mean? Oh, Ancient Crusher, take us away. Oh, Riker says, Wesley, get us away from this pulsar. And he goes, I, Commander. And then Riker says, engage. So they just, Riker just takes over. Then the note all says, I hope you're satisfied, Picard. We never got out of here. There's two doors. Uh, and then the the party guy is like, uh, you know, your voice is getting on my nerves. And then Picard says, well, I think this charade's gone on long enough, uh, Haro. Uh, don't you under, don't you? And she goes, uh, what do you mean? He goes, oh, yeah, you know what I mean. This is, a, this is an experiment, uh, and you're the one running it. You're seeing how we re- react under pressure. And she goes, well, how did you know? Uh, let's see, fair, this is a test. Uh, we, do have, we do have something in common. He goes, we all have uh, different ways to... Uh, React to authority. You're a collaborator because you're part of the uh, chain of command of Starfleet. You just refer to command. Uh, the partier is an, an anarchist uh, who doesn't follow authority. I'm a commander, trained to command. Oh, wait, I think the Mizarian was the one who defers, and uh, the other one was a defer, you know, sworn to obey. And he goes, there's a bunch of obstacles, kind of like an escape room. This isn't a dorm room. It's a test escape room. for mar- Maybe this is marketing research. There's only jello jigglers, uh, doors behind doors. Uh, he goes, but you made this one too hard, too hard of an escape room, even for Picard. 
which makes me think that that was never your intention all along. He goes, you kept dealing us reverses to set us against one another. So it's more like an escape room so everybody gets on one another's nerves. Uh, and he goes, I don't think you know about all the stuff. If you're a first-year cadet, uh, you wouldn't have known about our core Kalari 5 you know, trip uh, for sure. So he goes, drop the pretense. I'm not playing in this escape room. It's experiment over, marketing research over. And she goes, you're correct. And then she turns into three balls of light. Uh, and they show up, they say, hey, we, yeah, we were, we we're trying to come up with a, this new escape room that would work across all beings and planets. Uh, and he goes, also, we replaced you with replicas. We wanted to see how that was going. And we communicate by tel- telepathy. Riker took control. Uh, but now you've tainted the marketing results, uh, so we're going to return you to your places of origin. Uh, also, they were in w- light blue suits. Uh, I don't know what that says. Uh, torch something. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, it's the planet they're from. I don't know. Torch something. But they're in cool blue suits. And then Picard and uh, the beings appear on the bridge, uh, or one of maybe the Picard gets changed back. Uh, and Picard says, "Hold your positions." Oh, then Picard uh, turns uh, Picard turns back into one of his original beings. Uh, and Picard goes, "Why did you uh, think you could just take us to do marketing research on escape rooms without our permission?" And they say, because we're a marketing planet, we don't believe in uh, permit, you know, we believe everyone should be part of market research. And we wanted to find out what would work. Uh, and, you know, that was what we were doing. Uh, we were intriguing research. Because uh, we have no right to do that just because you're curious and you want to do research. And they go, why not? And because we have rights as beings. Uh, and they go, this morality thing is not, you know, it conflicts with marketing sometimes. Meanwhile, Picard's giving looks to everybody, and he goes, okay, Mr. Worf. And they put them in a little bit of a circle thing. They catch the, the, the beings. Uh, and uh, the doctor, oh, that's later. She like, uh, they go, why are you holding us? And Picard goes, because it's not fun to be held uh, at a dorm room without your permission. That's really an escape room for marketing research. And he goes, I don't even need telepathy to communicate with my crew. Did you see how I just did that? Totes, my goats. They said, well, we don't like this. We don't want to be in our dorm room. Uh, we didn't mean any harm. And Picard goes, you know, that's you can't just be, you know... You're going to, uh, he goes, hit the road and don't mess with it. And he goes, by the way, let's go back and meet up with the hood. Warp eight, no slow stuff. And Weston goes, great to have you back. And Picard goes, how's it going? Uh, number one, he goes, great. Uh, he goes, no, did you know, no, that lookalike didn't do anything weird. It was a convincing. Picard goes, Riker goes, convincing, but not perfect. 
And Picard goes, not perfect how? He goes, it sang. It was a singer. Uh, and I didn't believe you were a good singer. And he goes, a singer? Looking forward to reading your report. Uh, at least I think I do. Then Crusher comes in. She gives him a long look. Uh, and uh, Picard goes, doctor. And she goes, captain. And then there's still a long look. Uh, and Picard goes, uh-oh. And then he says, Wesley well, says, ready. And he says, engage. And engage they do. And they head off uh, and then, you know, to meet up with the hood. Uh, speaking of the USS Hood, I looked up over on Memory Alpha, the wiki. Uh, it's an Excelsior-class ship. Originally, it was under the command of Robert DeSoto, and War Riker was there after he left Batankin in uh, 2361. Also, while he was first officer, Geordi LaForge was there in 2062. And it's appeared in a lot of episodes uh uh, counter at Farpoint, uh, the Pegasus, uh, they talk about it. Uh, and the Defector, uh, Allegiance, this episode, Tin Man, Brothers, uh, Redemption 2, uh, Chain of Command. So a lot of different episodes. And then it even appears in some Deep Space Nine episodes. So uh, uh, that's a USS hood. Uh, but for me, it also brings up Harry Hood, uh, the fish song. Uh, uh, Harry, Harry, where do you go when the lights uh, go out? And the show's uh, the song's first played in 1985, uh, 10, 30, 85. And uh, according to fish.net, uh, in 85, 1985, uh, uh, Mike uh, Gordon, uh, John Fishman, and Paige uh, McConnell uh, lived with Brian Miles Long on King Street in Burlington across from a regional uh, Hood Creamery bottling plant. And the milk tanks bore the huge uh, smiling face of Harry Hood, who was an animated character from their uh, advertising campaigns. He was a milkman that lived in your fridge with uh, Hood milk and would talk in there when you opened up your doors and say how how great Hood Milk is and creamery products from uh, Hood. Uh, but what happened to Harry when the door closed? Brian Long was the first to ask Harry, Harry, where do you go when the lights go out? And then I guess uh, Trey and John Fishman were in uh, Greece in the 85, and they had a very inspiring trip. And they did a lot of songwriting. And when they got back uh, to the King Street house, uh, there was a former tenant named Mr. Minor who was still receiving mail. And there was a big, uh, uh, what was it called, a uh, form letter or something. And it said, uh, thank you, Mr. Minor. And that's how the song was born. It, but the thing, good thing is you can feel good, 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 good about Hood. Uh, and you can read more over at fish.net about the history of them playing the song. Uh, speaking of history, let's talk about terraforming. Uh, according to Wikipedia, earth shaping, the hypothetical process of modifying atmosphere, temperature, and topography or ecology uh, to make it more earth like or habitable. And a great book, a set of books is uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's. Uh, uh, Red Mars, blue, Green Mars, and Blue Mars. I really enjoyed, uh, particularly Red Mars. Uh, uh, 
it's been about 10 or 12 years since I read those books, but uh, it's available from science fiction and actual science. Uh, first used in 1942 by Jack Williamson, but the concept predates uh, the term. Uh, could it be, could a planet be altered deliberately, uh, feasibly to, uh, make it more earth-like and hospitable? Uh, well, Carl Sagan proposed, uh, doing it on Venus in that article in Science in 1961, uh, seeding the atmosphere with algae, which can, would convert, uh, water, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide into organic compounds. And as this process removed carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, uh, the greenhouse effect would be reduced until uh, the surface temperatures dropped to uh, comfortable levels. Uh, and then the uh, carbon would be sequestered in graphite or some other form of carbon on the planet's surface. Uh, but then they found out there was a lot of sulfur in uh, Venus's atmosphere, so it didn't think, they didn't think it would work. Uh, then Sagan thought about Mars in 1973, uh, maybe an idea of planetary ecosynthesis. Uh, and the first conference session on terraforming, referred to as planetary modeling, was organized that same year. Uh, it goes on and on. But really interesting, uh, the idea of engineering a planet uh to make it a uh, to make it a uh, hospitable is it possible? But I guess they were doing it in Star Trek. So it is. Oh wait, that's a, a fictional show. But uh, I do know. Speaking of science fiction, they did re-release uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey this summer, and I thought it was an obelisk, but it's really a monolith. Uh, in this episode of uh, Star Trek, above Captain uh, Commander Picard. So I'm going to look up some, there's a monolith in uh, 2001. So over on Wikipedia, I looked up uh, some stuff about the monolith here. And it says, uh, as with many elements of the film, the iconic monolith is subject to countless interpretations. Religious, alchemical, uh, historical, and evolutionary to the extent which it appears and presented is allowed allows the viewer to project meaning onto it uh, related to the film. Uh, but the monolith is there at uh, epic transitions in the history of human evolution from uh, uh, evolution of uh, apes to humans and the odyssey of uh, mankind. Uh, but if you read into Clark's novel, uh, it has a very simple explanation. Uh, though it might not explain the ending of the movie. Now, Rolling Stone reviewer Bob McClay saw the film as a four-movement sympathy with uh, symp 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 symphony with a deliberate realism. And uh, what structurally unites all four episodes of the film is the monolith, uh, which is in the movie an unresolvable enigma. Uh, each time a monolith is shown, uh, human beings transcend to a different level of cognition. And uh, the, the tool usage and uh, the same thing. Uh, four times it appears on the African savanna, on the moon, in space orbiting Saturn, and uh, near uh, somebody's bed at the end of the movie. 
And each time the uh, way humans interact, it change. Uh, let's see here. In reading, uh, they think it's pretty deep. So, But let's go to the book here to read it, like, just find out a little bit more. Uh, in Space Odyssey, the book, uh, spoiler, but this is the book and not the movie. They're machines built by uh, Unseen Extraterrestrial Series. Uh, they've been discovered by humans. Uh, uh, they're never described in much detail who created them, but the knowledge of their existence is given to Dave uh, after he is transported by the Stargate to his new home. Uh, as detailed in the two novels, 2001 and 2010. Uh, the existence of the species is only hi- uh, hypothesized by the rest of humanity, but it's clear that it's an artifact of non-human origin. Uh, whoever built it developed intergalactic travel millions or billions of years before present time. Possibly, Clark calls them the firstborn uh, maybe the first uh, sapient species uh, to possess a significant capability of interstellar travel. So it's pretty cool, cool to think about. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the movie's still out, but uh, it's worth checking out. Another ship we want to talk about over at Memory Alpha is the Stargazer, uh, which also comes out this episode. In 2333, John Luke Picard was a bridge officer on the Stargazer, which he described in relics as overworked and underpowered, always on the verge of falling apart. And Picard took over the command of the Sigis Bridge, as he describes in Tapestry. And that was, uh, he was viewed so positive that uh, he was giving his first command, a post he held for 22 years. And Jack Crusher was uh, one of his uh, crew members. Uh, so action in the Kardashian Wars, or the Kardashian Wars, uh, and, oh wait, so action in the Kardashian eras, uh, and Ricard uh, even used, lowered the shields to try to generate goodwill, uh, but that was when uh, trouble happened, it wasn't a good move, uh, and in 2053, Jack Crusher went to the big, big thing in the sky. And in 2355, it was a lost. Uh, Picard uh, had to do, he used the Picard mover maneuver uh, to overcome things, but the ship was lost, and that's what Picard was court-martialed for. But he was absolved by all things. Uh, but then in 2364, they found adrift, the, uh, the Ferengi found it. Uh, uh, so just a little bit about the stargazer. You shouldn't be gazing, though, if you're a starship. You know, you should be working. Uh, then there was a song Picard sang at 10 Forward, and the name of the song is uh, Heart of Oak. Uh, a popular drinking song, according to Memory Alpha, at Starfleet Academy. Sung after toasts, uh, and the lyrics go like this: "Cheer, come cheer up, my lads! It's glory, it's just glory we steer to add something new to this wonderful year. To honor, we call you as freemen, not slaves. For who 
so free as the sun of the waves. Uh, hearts of oak are our ships, jolly tars are our men. We'll always be ready, steady boys, steady. We'll fight and we'll conquer again and again. And it sounds a little bit, no wonder everybody's making a face. You see, Picard, that song, uh, no, it's a, don't sing it. It's a fan, you know, I don't like it. Uh, so now it makes even more sense why people be like, well, how distasteful. And then Mutiny came up. I read the book Mutiny and the Bounty probably maybe 20 years ago. I don't know if I've ever seen the movie. Uh, but I did enjoy the book uh, about HMS Bounty, which uh, the mutiny took place uh, 28th of April, 1789. Fletcher Christian and other disaffected crewmen took it over from William Bly and uh, set them out on a thing. Uh, they settled on Tahiti, uh, Pitcairn Island, and uh, below, maybe I didn't read this book. Maybe I read another mutiny book. Uh, but I read it before I read Moby Dick. Uh, 3,500 nautical miles. They had left England in 1787 to collect and transport breadfruit plants from Tahiti to the West Indies. And after a layover in Tahiti, many of the men had uh, formed relationships uh, with people there. And they had become undisciplined. And Bly, and the Bly's commander, uh, it, it deteriorated his command, and he kept giving out uh, serious punishments, particularly to Fletcher Christian. And so it's three weeks back at sea, they kicked him off the ship. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they said, uh, England said, no way. Bly got back, told on them. April, three years later, they send uh, Pandora to catch them. And they actually did, uh, which is amazing, that three years later, they did catch some of the crew. Uh, they couldn't find Christian and his crew. Uh, they turned around, ran into the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a little bit about the bounty. I guess it wasn't the one I read. I think the one I read was fictional. Uh, but, yeah, some stuff that came up in the episode. Uh and you'll set a, hopefully you're set a sail for Dreamland. Good night. I want to say thanks and good night to everybody. Swear on the show, Patreon, Colleen, Megan, and Liz. Thanks, 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 and good night. Uh, Anyang, Mark, and Craig. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Holly, Linda, and Emily. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Will, Daniel, and Rosanna. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Dahlia, Catherine, and Shell. Thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Dawn Marie, Melanie, and Cara, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Sarah, Linda, and Tom, thank you, thanks, and uh, good night. Uh, Cara, Sarah with an H, and Margo, thank you, thanks, and good night. Matt, Emily, and Jolene, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Richard, Elizabeth, and Lawrence, uh, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Roseanne, Lydia, and Lauren, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Jeffrey, Molly, and Cheryl, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Linda, Danielle, and Erica, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Rebecca, Scott, and Amy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Liz, Chelsea, and Kirsty, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Daniel, Whitney, and Rebecca, thank you, thanks, and good night. Chad, Declan, and Amy, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Helen, Gao, and Ryan, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. And Nancy, Kyla, and Kate, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Stephanie, Nina, and Jess, thanks, thanks, and good night. 
Delicious, Rebecca and Brian, thank you, thanks, and good night. Carly, Sophie, and Rania, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Madeline, Laura, and Matt, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Ashley, Evelyn, and Sarah with an H, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, Samuel, Amy, and Maria, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Heath, Carol, and John, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Rako, Rose, and Spencer, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, Britt, Esther, and Christine, thank you, thanks, thanks, and good night. Rebecca, Wendy, and Gabrielle, thank you, thanks, and good night. Charlie, Ellie, and Allison, thanks, thanks, and good night. And Grant, Constant, and Pamela, thanks, thanks, everybody, thanks for the support, and, uh, a good night. Uh, Sleeping Me is a proud member of uh, Night Vale Presents. Check out all those other great shows at nightvalepresents.com.